What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Dash. Um, we are a mere few days away from the start of the Pac-12 season. So with that being said, let's jump right into our first topic. Um, just We're going to go over, uh, Kieran and I, we're going to go with our expectations for the 2020 season. Uh, Kieran, what are your thoughts? What are your expectations? Uh, my expectations are tempered. I think that the Buffs, it's a rebuilding year as it can, or as much as it can be uh, in college football for the Buffs. Uh, they lost a lot of key players. They're rebuilding that whole offensive sort of side of the ball. Um, and so my expectations are definitely tempered, uh, which, you know, plays into a lot of why I was a big proponent of Brendan Lewis earlier in the year for the starting quarterback position, things like that. It's just because he, you know, I, I see this season, especially not only given the fact that the Buffs are rebuilding, but the the, the difference in the atmosphere and things like that. I just see it as, you know, the season's unlike any other. And so um, it's it's bound to just go much differently. And I think that the Buffs could definitely use it as 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 a way to sort of start over and sort of start fresh after losing Mel Tucker and things like that. But how about yourself? Yeah, I, you know, I had a lot, of, a lot of disappointment from last year's team. I really thought last year was a team that they could finally break out of that streak of going five and seven. And they, they had the talent, you know, while we didn't like Steven Montez, he was still a talented quarterback, had one heck of an arm. We had LaVisca, um, just an absolute beast that I receiver in a, in a decently strong defense, but you know, last year we lost a lot of winnable games, Air Force, Arizona, USC, um, just very frustrating losses that, that could have cha- changed the outlook of that season, possibly even changed the outlook Mel Tucker had leaving his job. But nonetheless, that's now a mute point. Um, you know, my like you said, my expectations are kind of tempered. You know, this is the perfect year for or the perfect season for co- this Colorado team to kind of start over again. Um, just be, just because of how young they are, and you know, we talked about this that this would would have been the ideal ideal time to to really try to put in all of the freshman talent we have. Um, so far, after look, taking a look at the um, the depth chart, it seems like they're they're doing that, um, especially in the wide receiver and the running back position, where we have a lot of that strong freshman talent. But again, you know, Brendan Lewis not being named uh, the starting quarterback, not even being named QB two, but it was just not the, not the best decision, but we'll get that. We'll get, we'll get to that later on the show. Um, but for me, I, I mean, I'd love to see Colorado in like two games, you know, this, uh, we, we covered the schedule, you know, it's a very, win- very, very yep. favorable schedule for Colorado. You know, I think we have a lot of games that we can win. Um, but for me, you know, I'd love to see just, Possibly two wins, but it's more for me. It's more about the player development, just because this year is that is that year for Colorado to really develop their freshman players. Um, but you know, we'll have to see what happens. But for me, I think at minimum, yeah, two I wins. think that I I would say certainly at a minimum two wins. I think that this and that includes this weekend. You know, I think that UCLA um, is it's got to be has got to be a win for the Buffs, uh, especially given sort of what we talked about last week with uh, the favorability sort of of the buffs versus the um, versus sort of a, a even sort of a, a UCLA team that's starting 
even more from scratch than CU is. Um, so I think that that's, I think that that's a super, super important, but I honestly, while my expectations are tempered, it doesn't mean that I think that I'm merely hoping for two wins out of our seven oh, yeah. game schedule. And I think that certainly within the PAC 12 South and some of the, um, some of the different advantages that we talked about that teams could have home and away and things like that without, you know, with the removal of fans um, could also play into uh, see you having some success, especially, you know, for one playing at altitude. Um, it's one of the sort of things that you, you, you can't take out of um, sort of the equation. And so I think that of the few advantages that, teams can have. I think that that's one of them. And, um, and so fortunately we have that on our side. And I think that, you know, overall, if, if CU can use this season to um, little, like sort of establish themselves a little bit more in the Pac-12 South in particular, um, that then I think that that bodes super, super well for next year, just because if they're able to sort of set, uh, you know, a high baseline, um this year with all the sort of wonky stuff that's happened over the course of the season even thus far and the season hasn't even begun yet um you know officially that I think if they're able to do that then um that sets us up really really well for success and you know a longer term more established CEO outlook uh for you know for the future yeah I I have to agree I I think that uh, Colorado has Colorado fans have been accustomed to disappointment. It seems like you know we had that really great 2016 season, um, but just after that we kind of fell into mediocrity. And you know people thought Mel Tucker was going to be the person to kind of push us out of that and get us back up into the the competitor status in the Pac-12. But as we saw last year, I, I really thought last year, while it was a disappointment, it, it was an improvement. But you know he left and just the whole level of trust we had in this football program kind of went down the drain. Um, so this year, like you said, like, like you said, I'd love to see more than two wins. I think this team is capable of more than two wins. Um, as, like you said, UCLA coming up, you know, a week one win is always good. Uh, it just kind of sets the tone for how the rest of the season is really going to go. And if you can get a win against um, not knocking UCLA, they're, they're a talented team. They have, one of the more talented QBs in the Pac-12. If you can beat him while at home, if you can beat that team, that really sets the standard for how the rest of the season is going to go and just the the expectations that they, that they then put on themselves. Because if you, if you come out and you lose week one, it's just such a killer when it terms, in terms of confidence, in terms of basically every aspect of that team. Then going into an, a, road, uh, a road game week two, it's just that much more of a killer. Um, so... While my expectations are low, like you said, um, I'd love to see more than two wins, but it's got to start week one with a win against UCLA. So I agree. And I think that um, on top of the things that we've sort of mentioned thus far, I think that the one of the things that Colorado still has moving in its sort of uh, one of the things that Colorado still has working for it and working just sort of and that I think we can continue to sort of leverage is um, the fact that our recruiting's been 
really, really strong thus far. Um, and mm-hmm. to, like, despite the lack of, despite, as you said, the lack of success that we've had, um, the recruiting s- still continued to be um, quite strong. It helps that, you know, LaVisca Chanel, star running back slash wide receiver sort of player for the Buffs um, had uh, his brother Levante come in. Um, I think that that's a, you know, that's a really bright prospect to have. Uh, Brendan Rice, son of Jerry Rice, you know, Hall of Fame wide receiver, um, picking up him as well. Some high profile names like that is super, super important for the Buffs um, in order to build the kind of team that doesn't disappoint year in and year out, as you've been saying. Um, And I think then also just hopefully we can build some consistency this year. And the fact that Carl Durrell um, has spent time coaching at CU in the past and has now returned to coach at CU. Um, and retained a decent amount of the staff that uh, Mel Tucker brought on last year. I think that that could be super, super um, beneficial for the Buffs in terms of just creating some consistency. Because as we talked about in the last show, part of the problem and part of the difficulty has been the lack of consistency from the coaching staff um, at the quarterback position, um, things like that, just sort of like on a year in year out basis. And as a result, it's it's sort of left us every single year at the beginning of the year wondering kind of where we stand and what kind of personnel we're dealing with and things like that. And we haven't really had any coach be able to sort of put in the time to build a team that they that is going to work within a system that they want to implement and things like that. And instead, they're sort of left like Carl Durrell having to inherit the players that um, – Mel Tucker uh, recruited and then try to fit them into, you know, a system that he thinks will work. And so I think that it's important that we build a little bit of a level of, of consistency and we are starting to do that. So I might, I would say, you know, while my expectations are tempered, I am still optimistic. Yeah, I think I see. Um, that's why, like, I, I've, I've always wanted to push so hard for um, Brendan Lewis. It's just if you can start him at the freshman level and have him consistently be the starting QB for two, two, three years, it builds up his confidence, his skill level, his ability to play at a college, his ability to play at a college level. Just because we talked about the difference between a high school level of football and a college level of football, um, and it provides this, this. This, this this football program and this fan base, someone they can kind of rally behind and really support throughout their their um, football career at CU. And like you said, you know, we just we just haven't had that. We haven't had a consistent starting quarterback. Um, we haven't had a consistent coaching staff. Um, you know, the, really the one real consistent we've had was LaVisca Chenault the past three years. And, you know, when he's gone, you got to start all over again. And that's why, like, this team is so promising, but I just think the coaches like we've seen are kind of missing their opportunities to really ingrain the, this level of consistency within this program. Um, but obviously they know better than me and you. So, uh, you know, while we're just two people talking about Colorado football and while we have some, some hopes and some dreams, we're not the, ultimately the ones making the decisions come game day. Yeah. And I think, I think that perhaps Carl Durrell and Darren Cheverini's outlook with putting, um, you know, with sort of making the decisions that they have been um, on the quarterback front is a matter of just sort of establishing a winning culture at CU, which is something that we've struggled with. And so, um, you know, that sort of leads into our next point 
is that we've got some big, big news for the Buffs, and that is that Sam Neuer has been named QB1, right? And we we talked in the last show about the fact that they were still indecisive about the quarterback position. They kind of waited until this weekend in order to even make that decision. That's still only a week out from when the season's beginning. Uh, what are your sort of initial thoughts on the choice of Neuer, um, especially sort of given the circumstances and things like that? Um, you know, the, the people know our feelings. You know, uh, I, I feel like we, we, we're in agreement that it, this should have been Brendan Lewis's job to begin with. Um, but then again, I understand why they went with a guy like Neuer. Um, the experience on this football team, you know, he has a, a fifth year. Um, while he hasn't been a, a quarterback for all those five years, he was recruited to Colorado to be a quarterback. So it's not like he's this this new guy who's who they decided to pluck from the safety position and make him into a quarterback. He knows he knows the the position, um, and and ultimately they saw something in him that they didn't see in Lionel or in Lewis. Um, you know, ultimately they, they felt that he was their best chance at going out there being the, being the call uh, the playmaker and producing on the field for Colorado. Um, what I don't like about it is how long they waited. You know, yeah, sure. It, you, you waited, you, you kind of waited to the last minute. You, you, you waited a week before game, uh, the first game of the season. And it's a little disheartening as a Colorado fan thinking like, why, why didn't we have this decision like three weeks earlier? Why couldn't this guy get the reps with the first team for the three weeks leading up to the first game and not the week leading up to the first game? Um, but uh, while... I have my own personal opinions on who they should have gone with quarterback. I trust that Colorado and Coach Cerini know what they're doing um, and feel confident that Neuer's going to go out and win the football games. I agree. Um, you know, I, I mean, I agree with the frustrated sentiment. Um, I think, in terms of given that the, given that this is the option that we you know, the option that we're given, right? This is, I mean, this is this is the this is the circumstance we're given. Is I think the reasons to be optimistic about Sam Neuer is the fact that, like you said, he's in his fifth year on the CU football team. He's been part of this program through what, one, two, three, like this is his fourth coach now <laughs> in five in five years. Um, is that do I have that right? Or third third coach third coach in third coach in five years. Sorry, um, and his third coach in five years. But he's he's like in you know as we talk about consistently, he's been a consistent you know. Uh, sort of just figurehead, if you will, um, within the CU Buffs program for all that time. You know, he bat, you know, he was a backup to um, Sefa Lufau. Then he was a backup to Steven Montez for the first, you know, for Montez's first year, Montez's second year. I mean, so, or, yeah, so sorry, last year, um, he obviously moved around a little bit under Coach Tucker and played on the defensive side of the ball. And now sort of he's back behind center. But at least for the players who are on the CU Buffs team that have been here for more than a year or two, Sam Neuer is a person who a has the the just the age that you can't you, know, you can't teach maturity right that yeah. maturity just comes and he has been part of the CU Buffs for several years now and so I think that that is something to be optimistic about and. While it doesn't mean that he's going to necessarily be with the Buffs long term, um, because obviously this is his last, you know, his last year of eligibility and things like that. I think that at the very least, 
again, in terms of establishing sort of a winning culture at CU and taking this sort of wonky year to try to um, make some big uh, like leaps and bounds in terms of the, you know, respect from the buffs. I think that having somebody who's been around the program for as long as Sam Neuer has, and even playing, you know, even playing scout quarterback, he still, you know, a scout quarterback still leadership, like a leadership position on the team, especially with guys who perhaps were on scout offense back three years ago and have now perhaps worked yeah. their way into the starting offensive lineup. And so I think to have that that level of consistency and to be able to have players be able to look up to somebody who is three, four years older than them and sort of have him be the 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 leadership focus for this team, I think is is, is something to be optimistic about. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, you, you said it. Uh, it's it's really about you know setting up this winning culture at CU that we've been we haven't been accustomed to really since uh, since like the golden ages of Colorado football back in the nineties. I mean, theoretically, when you think about it, like the twenty sixteen season was really a blip in the the past twenty years of this 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 uh, football program's history. Uh, you know that that roster was stacked. You know, Cepho and uh, um, Philip Lindsay, who's turned out to be this great running back in the NFL. But, you know, besides that year, you know, I wouldn't say it's been a losing culture. It's just been stuck in mediocrity. And, and you know, people bought into Mel Tucker last year, and then he jumped ship to Michigan State. And I think now, like you said, that Lawyer's been a guy who's stuck with them for five years, who has been flexible enough to play to to switch positions than what he was recruited for and play where he needs to play in order for this team to win a football game, and he obviously uh, is committed enough to this team that he's going to stay all five years. And he, he very well could have transferred. He thought about transferring, but uh, Coach Durrell and Coach Cheverini made a commitment to him that he would have had an opportunity to win this starting spot um, when Montez left, and obviously he proved to them that. He was good enough to be the starting quarterback for this Colorado team. And I, I, I said this I, when I said before you talked. Obviously, Darrell and Cheverini saw something in Neuer that is going to win us football games. And, you, you know, the nice thing about football is if he goes out uh, out there against UCLA and just doesn't have a good game, you have, we have Tyler Lytle. And hopefully we, we see Brendan Lewis in some facet at the quarterback position just to see his – potential at the quarterback um at, at quarterback but from here on out i have my full support for neuer for Durrell, for Cheverini. um for the time being i'm all yeah in. i agree and and i mean it's it's a little bit of it's a it's a little bit of sort of a uh you know an extra benefit for 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 us as you know here at dash sports and stuff to be able to be still you know having our starting quarterback be from beaverton oregon stuff like that um you know i know that the that you know beaver dash is going to be bummed about that um you know that they let the hometown boy slip but you know we get to keep him um but and you know so on and and as you were saying with you know with that 2016 uh season sort of being a little bit of a blip in the you know in, in the last 15 years or so of of 15, 20 years of, of CU football is that Sam Neuer was on that team, right? And so while he yeah. and so while he was third string, at least sort of, you know, in that in that capacity behind, you know, both uh Sefa Lufau and Steven Montez, 
Um, it's kind of, you know, the fact that he had, was, you know, was part of sort of like the rise and all of that um, sort of like see, seeming like they were going to, you know, kind of really get over that hump finally and, and, and start mm-hmm. building a program that was looking to sort of revive the, you know, the great, like the golden, you know, as you said, the golden days um, and sort of bring that cold culture back to, uh, to Boulder. I think, I think that that's, you know, that's nothing but a positive, even if you, you know, cause even if he was a third string, he still witnessed what that is like and what, you know, what, yeah. what reaching that sort of level of play being in, you know, in the Pac-12 championship is all about. And it's, you know, it, we shouldn't look all look. Uh, we shouldn't overlook as well the fact that he's a six four, two hundred and twenty pound, you know, athlete like that. He's just he's he's a he's a big guy. He has the capacity to sling it in the pocket because the dude is he's got he's got the height, he's got the length, but at the same time he's a you know he's a big dude who can still potentially um, you know get out of the pocket run the ball, you know, use his legs. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see how, you know, how much of that we see from Sam Neuer, how much of a pocket passer he is versus global quarterback, because the only instances when we've really seen him have been in the very end of games when CU's been in some massive lead against, say, CSU or something like that. And you know, he comes in for, like, a play or two at the end of the game, you know, spikes the ball, and that's it. So um, so I'm, I'm excited to see all of that from Sam Neuer, um, and I think that the age and the experience and the maturity can only be positives for the buffs. And perhaps that could, that could signal potential for a turning point in what it means to be a part of CU football and creating a winning culture in Boulder. Yeah. Uh, only time would tell. Uh, we will have to see when Saturday comes around. Um, but that being said, Outside of the Pac-12, what a wild college football season it has been so far. Uh, we have no undefeated Big 12 teams, um, which really sets up the opportunity for um, a Pac-12 team to possibly slip into that college football playoff. Um, but, you know, uh, if it was me, I still don't think the Pac-12 has has that, that edge. Um, but um, what do you think? You know, I think that – so I agree. It's been a crazy football season. I think that the lack of fans or the reduced fans in um, a lot of the different – or not a lot of the different conferences, you know, certainly in the Big 12, um, not quite as much in the ACC and the SEC. There's still been some fans, but the fan impact is not quite the same as it normally is because they're not at capacity. You're not filling a you know, 75, 100,000-person stadium to capacity. Um, so I think that that's definitely leveled the playing field in certain ways. And it's sort of, it's sort of changed the way that these sort of home and away games are, are, are played and, and the, and the dynamic between team. And, and so I think that that has obviously set up a really sort of packed, uh, you know, like basically just teams records and stuff are just are, are, are looking very, very similar because a lot of these sort of external factors have been t- taken out of the equation to some extent um, and yeah. has sort of separated the men from the boys a little bit, as we see in the SEC, where 
you know, Bama's the only undefeated team left, which we could have, you know, anybody could have predicted. Nick Saban's Alabama teams are always some of the most disciplined, um, you know, like most talented teams in the country. And regardless of whether they have fans in their stadium or not, they're still going to be, you know, blowing out teams by the amount that they do. Um, but I think that the fact yeah. that there's no undefeated teams in the Big 12, I think that the fact that Northwestern is one of the undefeated teams in the Big 10, along with, you know, we've got powerhouses like Ohio State, and then we've also got, um, and we've also got Purdue and Northwestern and Indiana, also like all tied atop the, you know, atop, at the top of the Big Ten at two and out. Like that, that, oh, that opens up yep. that that opens the door wide open. And I mean, I expect to see Ohio State to continue to win games. You know, Ohio State's got an immensely talented team, but I think the fact that the Big Twelve already has, um, no undefeated teams, and the fact that USC, um, is ranked number twenty you know, going into the polls this weekend and we haven't even started playing football yet gives the Pac-12 some hope. I think that, you know, we could potentially then see an SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Pac-12 sort of college football playoff. That yeah. it's, I think that's within the realm of possibilities or seeing, you know, uh, maybe like two SEC teams or two ACC teams because right now we've both we've got both Clemson and Notre Dame undefeated. So if Clemson and Notre Dame continue to have the seasons that they're having and um, you know, and, and they, they are as successful as they are. Then potentially we see two ACC teams, a big 10 team and a Pac-12 team. I think that if at USC or um, you know, like if a USC or an Arizona state or by some crazy, you know, circumstance, the buffs, um, you know, are an undefeated Pac-12 team, um, come the end of these seven weeks, then I think it's not out of it's certainly not out of the realm of possibilities to consider the Pac-12 um, yeah. as a strong candidate for a spot in the college football playoff. Yeah. Um, so uh, really quickly, some some numbers for you. Uh, Ohio State and Alabama both uh, have like a, like a fifty seven percent chance of making it. Clemson goes down by twenty percent at thirty five. And then the two Pac-12 teams, according to FPI, are, are Oregon at 5% and USC at 4%. Uh, I mean, really, when it comes down to it, if the Pac-12 yeah, wants any chance, a team's got to go undefeated. Just because, just like, the argument between a, 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 a one-loss SEC team and a one-loss USC team, they're going to go with the one-loss SEC team all day. Just because of the talent and the competition and all that kind of stuff, um, they're just going to make the argument that the Pac-12 is not as competitive. They didn't play as tough uh, games as a team, um, that kind of thing. But I think, like you said, like down the road, if 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 we're only seeing like a Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Notre Dame, those only are the undefeated teams. Um, because Notre Dame is now part of the ACC, um, I believe they have to play Clemson. Uh, I'm not quite sure, but that could set up um, a possibility for now a one-loss AC, ACC team. Um, there's your chance for a Pac-12 team to slip in. What I'd really like to see, though, is a non-Power 5 team to slip in there. Um, someone like Cincinnati. They're 5-0, and ranked 6th in the nation. Um, well, I don't think it's going to happen. I, 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 think, I, I think it would really diversify the college football playoff just because it's been so Power 5 heavy, uh, within good reason. You know, the past couple of years, they've been all, all undefeated teams. 
And, you know, they've been the best in the nation. And that's that's not the argument. But I think if Cincinnati can prove itself as an undefeated team, this kind of goes back to the argument UCF had a couple of years ago. Like, why weren't they included? You know, they they went undefeated. They had a perfect season. They played tough opponents, but yet they they were left out. Um, so I think I think the fact that the Big 12 is is not undefeated. Um, yeah, Alabama is the only undefeated one in the SEC. Clemson, Notre Dame. Um, and Ohio State, I think it sets up the opportunity for a lot of different scenarios to happen. Um, I would like for them not to go the traditional route of picking a one-loss SEC Big Ten, uh, Big 12 team. I think you could do a, a, an undefeated Pac-12 or an undefeated non-Power 5 team like Cincinnati. But, you know, we're going to have to see what happens. I, I agree. So I, and I agree exactly with what you just said right now, which is that picking a one-loss SEC or ACC team is I, – I think it's wrong – more so this year than any year because as as we were just talking about with the fact that the Big 12 already doesn't have any undefeated teams right and that's a power and that's a power 5 conference that it goes to show how much of an equalizer covid sort of become in the in sort of the college football realm as far as competitiveness goes and i think that in order for um in order for a team to be able to make the college football playoff and well, or to get to the college football playoff and still be undefeated, right? Like in order for yeah. us them to get to the end of the season and still be undefeated, the fact that there's no undefeated teams in the Big 12 already is a testament to how difficult that is this year, given how much of an equalizer and you know how much COVID sort of just thrown an absolute wrench into the way that teams train and the way that teams travel and the way the teams, you know, they have to remain isolated and things like that. And it's just, I mean, I think it's a feather. It would be a feather, you know, an absolute feather in, in, in a team like Cincinnati's cap to, um, you know, to go undefeated all the way and that they would deserve to be rewarded with that kind of, um, you know, with like in that, in that sort of way. And I think that yeah. I would not be surprised if we don't see um, a team in the big 10, or a team in the Pac-12, Pac or or both. I would not be surprised if we see both of those conferences end up like big, end up like the Big 12 with no undefeated teams in them come week three or week four already. You know what I mean? Like I, I just think I because I I just think that given the teams that are left undefeated in the Big Ten right now, I think that they you know the only team that has potential to go all the way undefeated is Ohio State, and like we've seen that it's just it's it's sort of a you know anyone like who knows what could happen justin fields could get mm -hmm. coronavirus and then that that could throw an yeah. absolute wrench into you know the like ohio state's planning of things so yeah um i think it, you know anything's possible yeah, anything's possible you saw what happened with clemson last week with no uh trevor lawrence you know that was a much closer game than clemson would have hoped absolutely uh but uh, we're going to have to see. Obviously, you have to wait and see if any Pac-12 team goes undefeated. Hopefully, that happens, and hopefully we finally get representation um, since uh, the last team was Washington way back when in Oregon. Uh, but it would be nice. With that, we're going to end the show right here. Thank you guys so much for coming to another episode of Buffalo Dash. If you want to see more of us, follow us on Insta uh, social media, like always, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website, uh, dashboards.tv. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, at Dashboards TV. Check out Sportsback 12. Super cool partnership. Some of us are writing articles for it. Um, they retweet our stuff. We retweet their stuff. Great little uh, business uh, business partnership we got going there. But with that, next week we'll finally have a game to talk about. And I'm sure there's going to be plenty to talk about 
with that. Um, but we'll see you all next time.